Here we go. Hebrews chapter 2. Uh, let's, let's read verses 1 through 4 is where we're going to be at today. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. And God, we thank you for uh, um, Jesus, for the, the word made flesh, uh, your, final, your final answer, uh, your ultimate revelation of yourself to us. Father, it's a great salvation. And we praise you for it. We love you, Jesus. We exalt you. Uh, we, we, we can't imagine uh, the extent of your goodness. And Lord, we, we pray that we might respond rightly today to the greatness of your salvation. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. As we uh, look at this passage this morning, uh, notice your first word. First word in the passage in, in chapter 2, verse 1 is therefore, okay? Now, what therefore triggers is that we need to look back, okay? We need to look back to all of chapter 1, because all of chapter 1, and, and since we're in the spirit and the, the holiday season, we'll just say this, is really about Christmas, okay? Now, I know no shepherds, no manger scene, no Mary, Joseph, uh, wise men, none of that stuff. But what we do see in chapter 1 is God telling us that, that, that from the beginning, he has Spoken, okay? He has spoken through nature. He has spoken through the prophets. He has spoken through his word. But, but in these last days, this is verse 2 of chapter 1, he has spoken to us by his son, okay? So the ultimate revelation of God to the world is the incarnation of his son, all right? So, so Jesus coming to be born of a virgin, to put on human flesh, to live a perfect life, to reveal God to the world in the person, in a man, in in, in, in a life is the ultimate revelation of God. Jesus, in a sense, is God's final answer to the world. Jesus is God's final answer. The words of Jesus, the life of Jesus, are his final answer to sin, his final answer to the meaning of life, his final answer to relationships and, and, and to everything, to, to death, to eternal life, all of that. And so, in chapter 2, verse 1, when it says, therefore, basically it's building on all of chapter 1, okay? So, chapter 1 is telling us, listen, God has spoken to you. He has revealed himself through his word through nature, and ultimately through the person, the life of Jesus Christ. And therefore, because God has done that, notice chapter 2, verse 1, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard. Okay, that's the exhortation. The exhortation is we got to pay close attention to what we've heard. Now, let me skip down just a verse or two and tell you exactly what we've heard. I think this is a phrase that sums it up. Verse 3 says, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? Okay, so what what is a summary of what we've heard from Jesus? What's the summary of what we've heard from the life and the death and the ministry and the words of Jesus? In a sense, it is this, that we have this great salvation extended to us, that the word being brought to us is of forgiveness of sins. It's of imputed righteousness. It's of escape from hell and the indwelling Holy Spirit and adoption in the family of God and inheriting the riches of Christ. The word brought to us is Jesus. Okay, that's the word brought to us. 
us. God in human flesh, loving us, dying for us, redeeming us, the heir of all things, the creator, the sustainer of the universe. We looked at all that last week, seeking to reconcile us to God and bring us into the family. Now, if, you, if you'll just stretch your mind for a minute, I, I can't imagine that there would be anything bigger than that, okay? So when the writer of Hebrews says, this great salvation, all right, great almost seems to fall short of what we need there, all right? What we need there to impress upon us that there cannot be anything more important than the gospel message. There can't be any better news. There can't be anything more impacting or revolutionary or transforming. I can't think of anything with a greater benefit. Think of it that way. Can you think of anything in life, you know, you're about to get some presents maybe this week, you know, can you think of anything that someone might wrap up for you and put a bow on it that's going to bring a greater benefit, that's going to take you further in your life than the message of the gospel of salvation in Jesus Christ. I mean, the gospel takes a person from wrath to eternal life, okay? From, from, from hell to the fullness of joy and pleasures forever. The gospel takes a person from bearing the weight of your sin and guilt and iniquity and the punishment of a lifetime of sins to being cleansed and forgiven and totally purified and made righteous and, and justified before God. The gospel takes a person from death to resurrection, from sinner to saint. And so Christian, you possess something great, okay? So when we come to the word of God, when we open up the scriptures, when we see the life of Jesus, understand that what we're dealing with is this word from God, this final answer from God through his son, Jesus, that is of a great salvation. Do you ever just sit back and think, wow, I am blessed. Do you ever do, you ever do that? Do you ever just, just reflect and just say, I cannot believe that I have what the Bible says that I have. All right. And so, so the application here, really chapter one is just pushing this higher and higher, the greatness of Jesus, that he's heir of all things. He's the creator, the sustainer. He upholds all things by the word of his power. He's greater than angels. He's the revelation of God to you. And then chapter two comes the, here's what you need to do. Okay. And so what, what do you need to do? Well, verse two says, therefore, okay, because of all of this, because of this great salvation, therefore we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard. All right, now you know what it is to pay close attention to something, right? Uh, we understand that. Um, sometimes when you drive, you're not paying attention, right? And sometimes you're paying closer. I bet when you drove in this morning, I bet you were paying closer attention than you normally do, you know? I, I bet you didn't have one hand on it and one hand on your phone and find a, trying to find a song you like and, you know, the, the other. You're, I, I, you know, I bet you weren't doing that. I, I, I bet you were, you were paying more close attention, okay? The word means to be preoccupied with, to be in a state of alert. You know what? One of the interesting things, I was reading through my Greek dictionary. Uh, definitions. I got a bunch of Greek dictionaries on my computer. And so I was just flipping one to the other. And, and one of, one of them, um, said this, it said, this word was used nautically. Say, okay. So out on the ocean, out on the sea, nautically for holding a ship in the same direction to sail towards something. Okay. So it, 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 this word to pay much closer attention was used of a, of a, of a, of a person steering the ship and, and he's, he's, he's constantly course correcting and directing. He's got a particular place that he's going. Now, I think that's a fascinating insight simply because the opposite of this, which we're going to get to in just a second is at the end of verse one, which is to drift. And to, and to drift is really the very opposite of that, isn't it? I mean, it's the opposite of, of having a, an intentional direction in your life. And so, so the writer of Hebrews is saying, because of this great salvation, we must be preoccupied with the word that we have heard. 
Okay. Now this really gets into how do you read your Bibles? Okay. How, how do you, how do you study the scriptures? You know, when you open up the scriptures in the morning or in the evening, whenever you read your Bibles or hopefully both, when you're thinking about the scriptures, how, how does this, how does this come into play? What does it mean to pay much closer attention to what you've heard? And let me just give you some practical things that I think it means. I think, first of all, it means that you focus on every word. You focus on every word. Have you ever gotten, a, anybody ever gotten a nasty letter in the mail before? Have you ever gotten one? No, nobody. I got a file, actually, if, if you want to come. I wouldn't actually let you look at them, but, but I do. I actually do have a file. Um, but, you know, when you get one of those, have you ever noticed that when you read the thing, you look at every word? And why, why, why do we do that? That's one that we should not pay much closer attention to. But for some reason in our twisted self, those are the ones that, that we, we everywhere, we read over and over again. You know, when we examine how, how the sentences are put together and what does this word mean? That's the way you ought to read your Bible, okay? That's, that, you, you ought to look at every word. When, when, when I was reading through this passage this week, you, you, know, you know, this has got great words in it, by the way. This passage has some fantastic words. Let, let me give you some, a, a few of the, just the great ones, okay? Drift. Drift is a great word. Uh, we're we're going to talk about it a bunch here in just a second. But, but I was looking at this. I thought, man, when we read this passage, words like drift ought, ought to just pop out. And we ought to have all these images in our minds going through. What does it mean to drift? What's the Bible saying to me? What is it warning me about? Okay, you go on to verse 2. I love this. The, the, every, the message declared by angels proved to be reliable. And I, I, that's one I underlined. I like that. Reliable. You know, God's word is reliable. What does it mean to be reliable? Every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution. What, what does the word retribution mean? You know, you go on here. Verse 3. How shall we escape? Man, that, that one hit me. How shall we escape? I thought a lot about that one. I kept thinking of, uh, actually, I kept thinking of, uh, what's that movie, Finding Nemo, where they're trying to find their way out, and she's, she's mispronouncing escape, it's an escape hatch, and she's saying escape, escape, yeah. anyway, you've never seen that, or maybe you didn't pay attention, I don't know, but I, I you know, I, I think that's what it means, is to roll this stuff over in your, in your mind, over and over and over, what, what are the words that, that are given here? You know, I, I even tend to, if I take one verse and I'll emphasize the different words in the verse. You know, take a verse like Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Isn't it interesting how, how the verse really comes alive when, when, you, when you emphasize different words, right? And you know, I can do all things, all things through Christ who strengthens me. Or I can do all things through, through, I can do all things through Christ, right? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens, you know? I mean, I mean, we can just breeze over that stuff or we can say, my goodness, God has given me this great salvation that's bigger than anything else in the entire world. And the one thing I want to do is pay much closer attention to what, what I've been given. And so, so when I read my Bible, I'm going to look at every word and, and I'm going to examine every word. I'm going to, I'm going to look at it as a treasure, and then I'm going to look at how, how, how does each verse connect with the other verse? Man, that's a great discipline in your life. You know, as you're reading a passage, maybe you're reading 10 verses in your quiet time or whatever, and you're coming back and you're saying, okay, how do these verses connect to this verse? You know, and maybe here in Hebrews, that's what we're doing. In chapter 2, verse 1, it starts out with therefore, and that ought to trigger you. Okay, how does chapter 2 connect with chapter 1? He's telling me that because of all the things in chapter 1, what's our, what are all the things in chapter 1? Man, we got to pour over the Word of God. Pay much closer attention. Is there a command? Is there a promise? What does this tell me about God? What does this tell me about me? 
Man, read your Bible for life, okay? Don't read it to check it off the list. Don't read it so that you can feel better about your Christian life, you know, because you got that done. And then you can't be too bad because you did read your Bible today. Don't read it that way. Read it as if it is life to you. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we've heard. Okay, I think that, that, that phrase, I think that means that we got to respond. I, I mean, pay much closer attention implies a response, doesn't it? It implies that I, I'm embracing, I'm grabbing on to the word of God. Kylan came, Kylan Kirkendall came uh, this last year and, and did kind of a little deal for us just, just in ways to, to do a Bible study with people who don't know Christ. And, and the final thing, if you remember, was the I will. What's your I will? Man, I picked that up. I use that uh, on, my, on my mornings, my, my, my morning at McDonald's with guys. Man, I, we, we do that now. Uh, what, what's your I will? Okay, so we go through, we pour over, we talk about the scripture. And we say, all right, what's our I will? I will. I mean, if we're going to pay much closer attention to something, that implies that we're saying this is words of life to me. And so I will. I will what? I got to respond. I've, I've got to do something. I've got, I, I, it's got to be, if you remember Rick Warren's Bible study, it's got to be personal, practical, possible, measurable. In other words, it's for me. Whenever you read the word of God, you ought to always look for what is my, I will, what is my application? And my application should be personal. It should be for me. You know, you know, you've probably made plenty of applications for your spouse already from the word of God. Okay. They're so far behind in, in fulfilling all those that you don't need to toss more at them. You probably just ought to do some for you. You know, so personal, you know, practical, practical. I mean, stuff you're actually going to go out. How am I going to respond today in real hands and feet language? Possible. Try to avoid applications like, you know, well, we're going to win. Because of this verse, it tells me win the world for Jesus. Okay, because those things tend to mean nothing, right? Now, win my buddy Buster for Jesus. Well, that, that means something. You know, share the gospel with the world probably doesn't mean very much. Share the gospel with Buster tomorrow at noon. That means something. That's, that's, that's a responding. That's a giving effort to bend your will to the word, giving effort to bend your affections, to line up with God's revelation. God has revealed himself. And what he's telling us to do is you got to bend your, your, your mind, your will, your affections, all of it. Psalm 119, 36 and 37 words, I, verses I say with my kids all the time. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Do you hear that? Incline, you know, the psalmist is praying, God, bend my heart, bend my affections to line up with your testimonies, with your word, with the expression of truth that you've given me. And then the next verse, turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. You know, you know what the psalmist is saying there? He's saying, God, correct my life as, as I embrace your testimonies, your commands, your word, Jesus I want you to bend my will there, bend my affections there, bend my life there. Make it line up with the word. I want to abide in Jesus' word. That, that, that's something that Jesus said all the time, by the way. Uh, John eight thirty one. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciple. You ever thought, what does that mean, abide in my word? I think it means right what Hebrews is telling us, pay much closer attention to what you've heard. You know, you got to live in this. You, you got to abide in my word. John 15, 7. John 15, 7 says, if you abide in me and if my words abide in you. <laughs> Same deal. 
Same deal. It's the word of God living in us and shaping and, and transforming us. One of the themes that we're going to see in Hebrews, and we'll unpack this for the next year, okay, is, is this perseverance in your hope, perseverance in the gospel. One of the things that Hebrews says is if you are a true believer, you show that, you demonstrate that. You, 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 the mark of a true believer is that you persistently continue in the faith. That's the mark of a true believer, is that you are constantly course correcting. I grew up on a farm and much, almost all of my upbringing was on a tractor. I mean, I, I cannot tell you how, you know, just the, the amount of hours I spent on a tractor. Um, you would think that growing up on a farm that I would know about mechanics and that I would know about, you know, uh, I'd be a good welder. Thing. I'm, I'm not any of that. Seriously, none of that. Because, you know, we, other guys did that. All I did was sit in the seat and drive. I mean, that, that's all I did. And, and, and we, that's what my dad needed of me. And so, I, I mean, I just put a ton of time in on driving a tractor. And one thing about driving a tractor is you are, you're, you're, all you're doing all day long is course correcting. Okay? Because your tractor naturally drifts. Okay? So you have this line out here. Okay? The line is, is, is the, the ground you've already worked. Okay? It's the tilled ground. It's a, it's a different shade and a different color and a different contour than, than, than the field that has not been worked yet. Okay? And, and so you, you, you come to recognize how much distance there is between the front of your tractor and that, and that, and that, that line. Okay? And you just come to kind of know that. And so you're driving there. Picture 14, 16 hours a day. That's a lot of time right and there's times where you you know chicken hawk you know bunny rabbit you know i mean there's not a lot that's about it chicken hawk bunny rabbit deer once in a while you know car there's a car way over there that's really exciting you know but anyway you you just kind of start spacing out and all of a sudden you look and 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 you're supposed to be this far and you're this far you know and then you course correct and and you look back you look back and you look back where where is my implement on the line and sometimes you just drifted a little, and so you just course correct a little, and you course correct a little. And course. Sometimes you drifted a bunch, and then we call that a skipper. I don't know what other people call it. We called it a skipper, you know? And you did not leave skippers because they, you know, you could think nobody will ever know about this. Oh, they will know. Not, not immediately, but later on, after it rains, and dad's driving by the field, and there's this, there's this teardrop shape of green, you know? And he's like... You left a skipper, you know, get out there and pull those weeds. Now, you know, I mean, you know, so it's a bad deal. So, you know, what you have to do if you, if you drift a long ways, you got to turn around. You got to go back and pick it up and then you go again. Okay. You know, your Christian life is not a whole lot different than that. It's just a constant course correct, isn't it? You know what it is? You're paying much closer attention to what you've heard in the sense of you are listening to the word of God. You are embracing the word of God. You're inclining your heart to the word of God and you're course correcting your life. Does my life match up with the word of God? If you do not do that, okay, if you're a hearer of the word and you you don't pay close attention, you don't treat it as life, you don't live out on it, what will happen quickly is you will drift. Okay? Look at verse 1. Therefore we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. I'm telling you, that's a fabulous word, isn't it? Just for the Christian life, drift. Man, I, I know exactly what that means. Just, just in my own Christian life. Man, I'm a drifter. Okay? I, I, I drift 
The word drift suggests a gradual, almost unnoticeable movement away from where you were, where you're supposed to be. When something drifts, it's slow, usually. It's without note. Nobody notices much when you're drifting. And many times you, you don't even know, especially if you don't have a point of reference. What is your point of reference? How ought how you to live? How ought you to be? How ought you to love? Here's your point of reference right here. Pay much close attention to this. And if you don't, you'll drift. I think I've told the story before, but it's such a good illustration. I'm going to use it again. I don't know, it's probably 10 years ago or so. We were at Port Aransas, uh, Texas with Emma's mother. We met there for, I don't we met there for some holiday or something. And uh, we were out on the beach and, and my kids at that time were pretty little. And so a couple of them were on the beach. I was out there by myself with them. A couple of them were on the beach. And then I had one or two with me. We had this big Coleman raft that we, we drug all over for years. Finally, one, the, 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 let me tell you how it ended. We, we had some kind of VBS theme with a boat or a rat, whatever. And I had the kids in it and, and I'd pull them through the church, you know, carpet and that nylon, it did not, it didn't work well. It got so hot. I burned a hole in the bottom of it. Never have it. But anyway, that's, that's where it ended. But we, for a long time, we drug that raft everywhere and we just loved it. You know, I take the kids, I put them in, I take them out in the ocean and we just play out in that raft, you know, and ride the waves and everything. But every once in a while, I kept checking back on my kids on the shore. They kept moving. And it was, it was really aggravating because I'd look back at, where are they? Where are they? They'd be clear over there. You know, and I, you guys stay put right on, you know, you stay right in front of me. You know, like three times I, I reamed them out, you know. And so I finally realized they weren't moving. I was moving, you know. I was drifting. I, I mean, I was riding that raft and there was kind of a side current. And, and so it was, it was every, every time my feet came off the ground, I moved. Then I put it on, we play a little bit and I move. And I was drifting. And it, and it wasn't until I realized the point of reference, you know, there were some condos up on the beach. I realized, you know, I'm the one that they're not moving. I'm moving. Do, do you think that it's, it's possible that in your spiritual life, you drift and you don't even know it? Is that possible? Not, not only possible, man, I, it's probable. It happens, doesn't it? We drift. We drift away from truth. We drift away from thankfulness. We drift away from our love for God. If we're not constantly checking our point of reference, what's our point of reference? It's the scriptures. That's how we know. That's how we know. If we don't, we drift. For the last two weeks, I've just felt, you ever just feel like you're kind of, I don't know, just in a funk, out of sorts a little bit? I mean, I've felt that way. And, uh, just, it's busy. This is such a busy, busy, just breakneck speed time of year. I don't really like it. Sorry. I'm not trying to buy humbug anything. I just, I just don't like being this busy all the time. And um, so I think that was part of it. Um, but I was praying the other morning. I was praying. I was reading my scriptures. And, and God just kind of brought back this kind of point of reference, you know. And I'm not saying this is, this is everything that was wrong. But, man, God just made it clear, this is one thing that's wrong. And uh, I went upstairs, and my wife was still asleep, but I, I had to leave. I was, so I wanted to talk to her, so I woke her up. I used to try not to do that, but I woke her up. And I sat there by her bed, and I said, honey, I, I mean, God just showed me that I have not been a thermostat of joy in our family. 
Um, I know that's my role. I've, I've, I've known that that's my role. I really believe that, that a husband, one, part of a husband's role is, man, you, you're, you're the guy that's setting the tone, the temperature for the family. You know, well, I'm supposed to be the guy that comes into my house and is like, hey, we're going to be thankful. You know why? Because God is good. You know, God's been awesome to us. Had any kids? Man, this, isn't, it, isn't it great that we're in Jesus? I mean, I'm to be that guy that kind of sets, sets that t- temperature for my house. And I had not been that guy. And, and I don't remember when I stopped. <laughs> I don't remember what it was. I don't remember how it happened. But here's what I know happened. I drifted. In the busyness of, of this season, I, I began to drift. And it wasn't until I was in the Word of God that morning. And God's just like, man, Jason, you're, that, you're not that. You're not that. One stuff I didn't know. Man, we just went through Philippians, you know. We hammered joy, didn't we? I mean, I knew I'm supposed to rejoice in the Lord always. I, I knew that. But I drifted. Things drift in the, in the direction of the current. D.A. Carson said this. This is, this, is, this is worth a sermon right here. Nobody drifts toward holiness. <laughs> that doesn't happen, does it? Nobody just wakes up and is like, man, I'm really spiritual. How'd that happen? You know? Wow, I, I just, man. No, that doesn't happen. You drift in the direction of the current, okay? And, and, and what direction is the current taking us? Several currents in our life. One is the current of your flesh, I think. The current of your flesh, you know where it takes you? It doesn't take you toward holiness. It takes you toward laziness and apathy and selfishness and ungratefulness and pridefulness and self-pity and self-exaltation. That's where that current drags you. That's the inclination of what the Bible calls your flesh. What about the current of the world? There's a current of the world, is there not? Now, I was telling some folks... I was, I heard about this Duck Dynasty deal, but I, I don't, I don't watch a lot of stuff. And so I, I but I was interested. And so one night I, I was flipping through and I was just trying to find somebody talking about it. I was going to all the news channels and I hit this one guy. I think it was, uh, I think it was one of the CNN channels. Maybe it was, it was a doctor guy, Dr. Uh, Dr. Drew, I think. Uh, and he had like a panel of six ladies on there and they were all experts and psychologists and stuff. And man, they're talking about this deal. And man, the thing that just shocked me is like nobody, nobody, nobody even faintly, remotely considered that this guy might be saying something that was true. I mean, not one of them. That was not even part of the discussion. The discussion was basically, is this guy sick in the head or just an idiot? You know, I mean, that, those were the choices, you know, and they're, they're debating all this. Back. And, and man, it just hit me that the world thinks radically different than I think, you know. Uh, I mean, there's a whole stream out there that, that I'm not even on the radar screen. I, I'm not even, you know, my opinions would just be considered ridiculous because they're based on the scriptures. And so there's this current of the world. There's this current of your flesh. And here's the reality. If you're not paddling, if you're not paying much closer attention. Remember nautically, what does it mean? If you're, if you're not steering in a certain direction, if you're not tacking against the wind, if you're not doing that, you're going to drift. Okay? What do you need to do to drift? Nothing. Nothing. Just come and do nothing. Just, just open your Bible and do nothing. Just do, don't do anything. Just go about your life. Just, just don't do anything. I mean, that's the danger. The danger is not here. In this passage, it's not twisting off into some horrible sin or embracing something. No, the danger is that you just do nothing. And you, you have this slow drift in your life away from where you should be. 
Maybe you're not paying much attention to the scriptures. Maybe you're not paying too much attention to your life. Maybe you're distracted. Maybe you're stressed. Maybe you're busy. And you've got this incredible revelation with God that you, you don't do anything with. It's kind of like, um, I was thinking about this illustration. I was trying to put it together in my mind. I was thinking about riding a raft down a, uh, a swift river headed for the falls, you know. And, and all along the way, you, you, you've, got, you've got the scriptures, you know. You open them up and, and they're, they're a line thrown out to you, you know, to, to stop the drift. And, and all you got to do is grab the line, grab the truth, you know, when it's being pitched at you, you know, as you're reading, as you're embracing it, as you're, as you're hearing it, just grab it, you know. But, but, but the picture is of, of somebody who's, they're, they're drifting, but they're so busy in the raft, you know. I mean, they're, they're making crafts and they're, you know, getting stuff done and they're on their computer and they're, you know, and the lines are coming out and they're hitting the raft and just slipping off. The raft's just drifting, drifting, drifting. Right off the fall. Why? Because you just didn't do anything. You just, you're a hearer of the word and not a doer of the word. This is John MacArthur here. Most people do not go headlong and intentionally into hell. They drift into it. All you need to do to go to hell is nothing. All you need to do to go to hell is nothing. Look at verse 3. Verse 3 says, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? Okay, another good word here, neglect, neglect. What does it mean to neglect something? It means you, you don't take care of it, right? You don't, you don't utilize it. You don't, you, you've got this opportunity and you don't, you don't value it. You don't, you don't seize it. You don't, you don't do anything with it. You don't take care of it. When you neglect something, you simply don't give attention to it. You don't, you don't take care of it. You don't care about it. You ignore it. And you know, think about things that we neglect, you know, or that, that, that are people that upset people when they, they're neglected. Well, we get angry over neglected children, right? Some of you have been on mission trips and man, you see little kids that don't have shoes and don't have, you know, food and nutrition and just bothers you, Right? Right? We get neglected over, or we get angry over folks that neglect the elderly. You've got somebody who has dementia or Alzheimer's and, and they can't take care of themselves and nobody's taking care of them. Nobody's visiting, nobody's cleaning them up, nobody's, nobody's feeding them, nobody's watching their medicine and that makes you angry. People, people get fined for neglecting animals, right? You don't feed your animal, man. That can be a serious thing. I think there's a whole show on it on Animal Planet, you know? Why? Because those things are valuable. Correct? They're valuable. They're valuable. Nobody, nobody cares if you, if you neglect your <coughs> McDonald's Happy Meal toy, you know. Nobody cares about that because it's not valuable. But, but when you neglect things that are valuable, people care. Why? They're, they have value. It's morally wrong not to take care of them. Okay, well, it's interesting that the Bible would use this word for your great salvation. Your great salvation is this precious pearl. Okay, it's it's that's what Matthew thirteen forty four says. The kingdom of heaven is like is like a treasure hidden in the field that a man finds and over joy sells all that he's got and buys the field. That's like a pearl of great value. That when the merchant finds it, he sells his whole merchandise to get that pearl. I was reading this morning. <laughs> My Bible reading this morning was in Proverbs three. L- listen to this passage. 
Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than gain from silver. And her profit is better than gold. She is more precious than jewels. And here, here's the line. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Isn't that great? What's the Bible telling us about the word, about this message, this, this salvation? It, it is the most valuable thing that you have. Don't neglect it. Don't neglect it. Take care of it. Don't drift. Pay close attention to it. If you call yourself a Christian today, ask yourself, how have I cared for the spiritual inheritance I've been given? Man, some of you got some pretty slick rigs. You know, you've got one of those nice vehicles and and man, you take care of it and you shine it up and you wash it. And if it gets a little dirty, you're right there waxing and washing. And the inside of it still smells new and it gleams. And it's just a pleasant to be in there. It's the opposite of my car pretty much, you know. And, and I really hope that you will rub off on me someday. I mean, I hope that that happens. Um, but here's what I would ask you. Man, do you care for your spiritual life with the same diligence? Or is it neglected? Well, it's neglected. Here, here's the question that's asked in verse 3. How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? Again, let's look at words here. Let, let's practice what I think it's telling us to do. Pay close attention. What, what what's the word escape mean? Let, let me ask you a better question. When do we use the word escape? <laughs> You, you use it when you're in some kind of peril, don't you? You know, the house was on fire and the smoke alarm went off and man, we barely escaped, right? Or the bear was chasing us in the canyon and I'm sure glad my buddy had a rifle or we wouldn't have escaped. Or the terrorists stormed the building and, and, and we had to escape through the window. Okay, the only time you use the word escape is when there's some kind of dangerous, doom, impending threat, danger. Right? And so, so what's the Bible telling us here? Man, if you don't pay close attention, if you drift, if you, if you neglect your great salvation, there's, there's consequences for that. Now, interesting thing about the book of Hebrews, you're going to find this over and over again. It never, it doesn't put people in clear categories. Like it never says, okay, now I'm talking to Christians. Now I'm talking to non-Christians. Hebrews just doesn't do that. Hebrews is basically like, it just... Treats everybody like this. All right. If you're a believer, then you will do this. And if you don't do that, then, well, that shows that you weren't. You never had it to begin with. Hebrews 3 is all about that, actually. It's all about the the children of Israel. How do we know? What what, what was the status of them? Well, they they didn't continue in the faith. Okay. And so so you're going to find the Bible using that. And and, and notice the writer puts himself in there. How shall we escape? Okay. And and, and so there's, there's, I guess, two... two, Two applications here, all right? If you're not a believer, if you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, if you're you're not sold out to him, then how are you going to escape when this great salvation was given over to you? You you heard the word. And then you just, you just, you do anything terrible. You just didn't do anything with it. Believers, man, how, how can you not, how can you not value and and pursue and take care of this great salvation. Notice 
He gives an example here. He says in verse 3, How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to those at hand, who heard, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles by the gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to His will. He says, man, this, this word of salvation has been attested by God and by signs and by wonders and by gifts of the Spirit. We have all this evidence. Okay? Verse 2, he says, The word that we heard in the Old Testament through angels, through the prophets, it proved reliable. I mean, we, the, you, people could depend on it. What God said would happen, happened. And every transgression, every crossing of the line, every disobedience, every ignoring of God received a just retribution. Can we not look through our Old Testament and find all kinds of examples of that? Sodom and Gomorrah, the world of Noah, the children of Israel in the, in the wilderness. I mean, disobeying the word of God, neglecting what God has given results, results in consequences. And here's a principle that I, I think that, that the writer of Hebrews is hitting at, okay? If that was true, then what, what's it going to be for us who had Jesus? Okay, well, let, let, me, let me show you something. Matthew 11, I think Jesus teaches right on that. Verse 20 says, Then he began to denounce the cities where most of his mighty works had been done, because they did not repent. Why is he picking these certain cities? Because these certain cities had all kinds of light. They had the most opportunity to see Jesus, to see the word, to see the revelation of God. Verse 21, he says, Woe to you, Chorazon. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? You'll be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works that were, had been done in Sodom, or had, for if the mighty works done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I tell you that it will be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom than for you. What's Jesus saying? He's saying, where there's great opportunity, where there's great light, where there's great proclaiming of the word of God where there's great opportunity to hear and to, and to receive that word, there will also be great responsibility. So you have a great salvation. And you've heard a great word. I'm not talking about my sermon. I'm talking about the gospel. And we can't drift. We can't neglect that. We, we've got to be on target. Have you drifted? It's time to course correct. If you're looking at your spiritual farming and you're, you're 100 yards away from your line, you, you, you drifted. You know what? You may even have to circle back today, fix some things. But you need to, you need to course correct. Let's ask God's help. Father in heaven, I thank you for your word. And God, I thank you for the great salvation that you've given to us. And Lord, I pray that you would, would help us to pay close attention to your word. Father, keep us from drifting. Lord, it, it happens so subtly. God, we're not even aware of it. Uh, we're, just, we're busy with other things. And God, forgive us for not having our eye constantly on our spiritual life. God, I pray that you would enable us to just compare and, and, and set, set alongside every area of our life, our, 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 our marriages, our, our parenting, our, our finances, our, our neighbor, God, our relationship with our neighbor. Our, God, Lord, help us to, to look at all those things side by side with your truth, with your word.
Father, help us to, to pay close attention. Lord, keep us going in the right direction. Father, we ask for your help. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.